Have you ever wondered when to listen to your body, let alone how to? As athletes, we often hear the message of powering through and do it at all costs because that's what makes you mentally tough. But what if that's not always the right answer? Today, I sit down with Caroline Burkle, founder of Rise Athletes and former Olympic medalist for Team USA. Caroline shares a new way to be mentally tough, one that allows athletes some grace and space when they aren't 100%, and I'm 100% on board with that. Being an athlete, let alone an Olympic-level athlete, comes with it a lot of pressure to perform. My hope is today's conversation takes a little bit of that pressure off of your shoulders and allows you to perform at your peak while taking care of your mental health in that process. This is episode 170 with Caroline Burkle. You are tuned in to Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, Forever Athlete founder and your personal flow coach, helping you optimize your life one conversation at a time. Before we dive into today's conversation with Caroline, I want to let you in on a secret behind life post-sport. It's always been about more than movement. That's why I created a unique coaching program to help you optimize your life post-sport. The 10-week program helps you set up structure into your life again, gives you a sense of value, and takes place in an awesome community container, giving you that sense of belonging you had in the locker room growing up. If you're looking to learn more and join the team of Growing Forever Athletes, I invite you to head over to our website, www.foreverathletela.com, to see if it's a fit for you. Welcome back to another episode of Forever Athlete Radio. I'm joined today by Caroline. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing over there? I can't complain. I've been inspired a lot by just the content that you've been pushing out. I want to start there actually of just getting back into swimming because I still don't get excited about a pool. I don't know how you do it. So I want to ask you that first and foremost, like what was that journey like from post swim career to now getting to a place where you're like, I can get down with swimming again in a pool and an ocean. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's interesting that you say what, what stuff I've been sharing, because that's like the only thing that I really feel like sharing lately. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when you have a business, you share things on that. And then when you have your own life, you want to share personal things to you. And so part of, I guess, the evolution of me starting swimming again, is just this uh, falling in love with a different perspective of it and falling in love with a different way of, of enjoying the pool, which honestly Mm. has never happened for me in the past decade. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just a combination of, of wanting to feel good and swimming feels good on my body. Now, you know, I'm 35, not 25 anymore just trying to prove myself and grind, grind, grind. I just like the art of it. It's, it's Mm. a feeling that I really enjoy the the water displacement and being in the water and feeling light and free. And like that to me is why I swim. I don't care about the yards. I don't even, you know, I don't count them (laughs) to begin with, but um, yeah, it's, it's been a nice re-entry into that feeling, um, which is, I'm coming to learn that that's what it was all about for me in the first place. I just masked it with success and achievement and needing to prove myself in that capacity for some reason. (laughs) Weird, right? Like who would have thought with given your swimming career and where you you swam and where it took you? Um, I'm sure (laughs) there's a higher level of unlearning that needs to take place Mm -hmm. there. You know what I mean? Because 
I think the each rung that you climb in that ladder and for you to get to the the highest rung, right? Like the yeah. Olympic stage yeah. afterwards, I'm sure there's that level of how do I find the joy again in this thing where this was me, like this was your, your worth, your identity, like everything. Uh, but that's awesome to see that you've been able to kind of peel back the layers. Was that what first got you into swimming, like in the first place? I think that I just enjoyed being uh, outside because I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and we had this incredible rock quarry pool. And I just remember that was such a focal point of why I liked to swim. I never really, Mm -hmm. like I liked competing. I I liked it, but I never really did it for that. Like that wasn't the sole purpose why I was there. I liked my friends. I liked the water. Like, I don't know. There's just this natural uh, experience that I had being around the water. And it felt very natural to me. And I think that was just innate within me uh, from a young age and being immersed in that, you know, going to the pool and being there with my brother, like all day long, being immersed in that and falling in love with that way of living and that freedom that it brought. Because swimming is a very artistic expression. It's a very free, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yes, it's it's a, a competitive sport, but it's it's a very like free flowing and um artistic (laughs) expression like you know it it really is and so I think that was natural for me as well so that that blend of those things really brought me to the water yeah I was about to say I resonate obviously with so much that uh, I see a lot of parallels in my journey and your story as well and it's like that's what originally drew me out here to LA in the first place was like are you kidding me I have an opportunity to live a block from the Pacific Ocean And like, I heard you could go swimming in there sort of year round. I don't know what this wetsuit business is, but I'll get one and we'll make it happen. Uh, But there is just something irreplaceable about that feeling of just the flow and like hearing the bubbles go past your ears as you're just like effortlessly gliding, especially in a wetsuit. Like I would have gone given anything to be able to wear a wetsuit and you know, college swimming, that would have been awesome. Right. (laughs) I know. I know. It's such a, yeah, it's built-in flotation device and the peace that comes with it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like a, it's a meditation, a form of moving meditation and it's very peaceful in the water. uh, If you allow for it to be, I think there's a lot of resistance that can come with swimming um, because we're not made to be in the water. Like as humans, we are just not made. That's not what our, mm. we're made for. It's what fish are made for. You know, we are not made to um, be in the water and survive in the water. And so I think uh, there is this primal resistance against the water, which can be uh, daunting for many people. And so I think if we view the water as this place of peace and art and fluidity and yeah, it's just, it, it can be a powerful place and it also can be a gentle place. So, you, so just allowing, obviously, you know, you're not going to go in 10 foot waves and be like, I'm super chill right now. You know, some people are, <laughs> my like, zen. Yeah. this is great. Yeah, surf, surf community is, but I think for the most part, there's a lot of um, resistance around the water, still water even. And so, mm-hmm. which is perfectly normal and primal instinct. So I think it's, it's a cool thing to fall in love with in that way, just the, the peaceful way, the meditative way artistic way and and that's um yeah it's really important to me to reflect on that as well 
Yeah, the, I feel like there's just so much imagery and, and metaphors in just <laughs> water in particular, but I always think of the importance, like the biggest lesson that it's taught me is just like mm. being able to surrender to like what is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's been one time where, where you and I have were able to uh, swim open water together a few months ago. Yeah, and yeah. It was like a crazy surf day. I remember like yeah. getting there and you were like, I couldn't even get the buoys out past the waves. Yeah. I was like, oh crap, we're in for something. And it was the first time that I opened water, swam. Yeah. But I remember like fighting that resistance and I just got into a headspace of like, I'm just mm-hmm. not going to stop until I get past that last wave. And then when I got past that last wave, I like looked around and I was like, overcome with just joy and peace mm-hmm. and serenity in that moment. And I think that is such a great metaphor for what we all kind of internally go through, right? There's always that inner turmoil, whether it's we're sitting down for meditation or we're sitting down to try to get work done for the day. How often do we have this immediate resistance of like, as soon as I sit down at the computer to record this, my phone starts going off, the emails start coming in, the dog starts barking. And then we got to sit through it enough to then get to that that flow stage on the other side of things. Yeah. Do you find something very similar? Yeah. And I'll be honest, I don't like big waves. I don't, mm. I don't like the, the crazy surf and it scares me in many ways. Um, and I always reflect on that. I'm like, why, you know, why is it that water can be so peaceful and also so intense? And the interesting thing about the ocean, um, you know, that's where I first got back in the water. Like, I mean, I, I sort of got back in just a little bit briefly when I was living in Tennessee and Kentucky. And then, I mean, it was just like, I felt like I was just putting on training wheels again. Like I just mm-hmm. needed to try and, and I never stuck, never stuck, you know? And then when I moved back out here, the ocean was nice because there wasn't um, a meaning attached to it. There wasn't this uh, 50 meter pool with times that I needed to hit. And this like, um, some of the pain that was associated with my journey. And, you know, there wasn't any of that in there. So it was just a very open, free space to play. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, my first big day of waves, I, I got like pummeled and I was, had no idea how to even get out in waves or to do anything. And, and thankfully I had great friends that helped guide me in that way. But I reflect all the time, like, why is it that they scare me? <laughs> why is mm-hmm. it that, um, I mean, this sounds like anyone listening to this conversation, like this just, it sounds like, oh, whatever, it's just big waves and you know, whatever, like why are, what, what's the big deal. And until you're in that moment, you don't recognize how powerful the ocean is and how we are guests there. Like this isn't our Mm -hmm. space to like completely rule, you know, and, and it, it, it really opens my eyes to a greater meaning other than just okay, I'm just going to go and like get the job done, you know? Yeah. So regardless, I guess what I'm trying to say is regardless of if there's big waves or small waves or whatever in the ocean, specifically when I go out to swim in the ocean, it feels like such a majestic place, such it's bigger than us. It's bigger than me. It's, it's something that I can't even comprehend. Um, you know, one strong current and I'm not the best swimmer in the pool anymore. You know, like I'm not the fastest person here. Like it's humbling. You don't, you Mm -hmm. don't have control really over certain things. And so, um, I really try and keep that perspective with the ocean because it allows me to feel like 
this place that I um, used to like dominate in or feel like strong and powerful in has power over me. And I'm not the, the one that needs to, you know, feel, I, I don't know, like, oh, I, this totally, this is easy. You know, it, it humbles me. So yeah, that's been a big, a big part of my uh, journey with falling back in love with the water again, as well as just having a different perspective about it. And, um, and then also leaning into places that I'm uncomfortable and learning that I can be so comfortable in the water. And also it's bigger than me. There's things that are bigger than me. I'm never the best anywhere. No one's ever the best anywhere. There's always something that can be bigger and stronger. And, um, having that perspective has made a huge difference. Yeah. So much comes to mind there of like that duality of shedding the ego and almost like Mm -hmm. having to be thrown into an environment, like a big wave um, situation or a big wave day. And we almost need those (laughs) in a lot of ways, right? To, because one of the themes that's come up on the show before is the idea of just like being a beginner again and like being okay with being a beginner again and really embracing that. And it sounds to me like in some of your journey there, that was definitely one of the themes of just like, all right, let go of the need to hit pace for 3050s on whatever interval that you used to crush. You know what I mean? And just like embrace the beginning stages again. And it's really interesting to see the, just the evolution of identity is as a whole. And when we look at it of, it really, sport oftentimes can be this playground for us to discover who we are. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere along the journey, we get so tied up and it becomes who we are. And then there's like this unlearning phase and that can lead to a lot of struggle and athletes journeys as that transition out. And then on the other side of it, it's almost this embrace of cool. That can be an expression of who I am, but it's not everything that who I am. I can have these other avenues of expression and I can be a beginner again. Like there's no pressure. We, it, almost comes full circle to when we first found whatever that sport was in the first place. And we see the joy of, oh my gosh, I remember minis to midnight as a kid where it was like the eight and unders, we would go to the one pool and we would have a movie night until midnight. We'd go down the water side. I was like, this was so much fun. Yeah. How can we find that kind of community again? I want to talk about some of the other expressions that you have now art Mm -hmm. being one of them. I like how you got bring up artistic expression through swimming, but I think it's a natural progression and evolution that you've really created some beautiful pieces with Mm -hmm. surfboards and and the stuff that you've created in the past few years. Where did that start? Was that like still during swimming or was that a post sport thing for you? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, so I grew up in the arts, Mm -hmm like just in school, like I liked to take all of the art classes and I did the IB art in high school and photography. And then when I went to college, I started on that path, but then you have to switch because of swimming. And if you're at a D1 institution, for the most part, it's like sport is life and you will be, mm-hmm. will be all there. Um, I, okay. So when I graduated college from the university of Florida, I ended up moving out here and out to California. And so when I moved out to California, I went to FITM, which is the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. And I specialize in merchandise product development. And I really wanted to design swimwear. Um, 
or be like creative director for swimwear shows and things like that. But I didn't, uh, I didn't end up going that route right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, right away, I ended up, well, I worked for a swimwear company briefly, but then I ended up moving back home because I went through the great depression of my own life and um, was in a really dark place because uh, this was when I had retired swimming. Mm. And um, so it was, it's interesting because it's like I dipped my toes in that and then I had to pull back because I had to address all these things that I had been avoiding for so long and, and different pain and different experiences that I had pushed back in my swimming career. Um, and again, like going back to the water and going back to the theme of what I was craving my whole life, like regardless of training hard and making the Olympic team and and making world championships and pan pan ams and all these things. It's like, that's all great. And I loved it, but I just craved this, um, sense of like freedom in my expression, Mm -hmm. like to where I could feel not boxed into what I should be doing or a way that everyone has to be doing something. Um, So that's, that's where it all began for me. It was like at a young age and I just kept dipping my toe in until finally um, I just thought, okay, how can I cultivate this sense of freedom and free expression in my life? Even if it's not something that I'm going to be doing for a career. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, my career is rise athletes. My career is creating this business that has to do with mental wellness and and young athletes, but my passions and the things that really wake me up inside are that freedom of expression and the, and the, the swimming and the art all go into that adventure spirit, like to where you have, um, no finish line really. Mm. like art is never finished you know and like I think that's why I enjoy swimming now because I just don't care about racing anymore like I I don't need that to fulfill me anymore like I think it's amazing when people continue to race through their 30s and 40s and 50s and do masters and adventure races and this and that but I just don't I don't need that to feel whole like Mm-hmm. it's fun to compete. It's fun. It would be fun to go do the swim run, for example. Yeah. But I think I, do, I don't like, for lack of a better term, like I just don't care about the results at all. And I think that's part of what it, I crave within that, that art side of me. So now, I mean, I haven't made art in over a year, honestly, like new mm-hmm. art. And yeah. I just got a snowboard from someone that I'm going to paint And I'm so anxious because there's this feeling of, my gosh, I haven't done it. And like, it needs to be perfect and all these things. And then you realize like you, the whole goal of this is to feel free in that expression, not to make this like finished product. That's 100% perfect. So I think that I don't even know if that answers your question. I probably went off on a huge tangent, but that's where art came into my life. And that's how I slow dipped it. But Mm. it's still, I don't think it's something that um, I have to like claim and be like, this is what it is. And like, it's more of just like when it appears for me and when I feel it, I do it. Like, I don't need to force it. So that's why I haven't in a year, haven't forced it because I've been so head down in in what I'm doing with my work and within Rise that I've had a different lens. So that freedom of expression has been a little muted and I can tell sometimes, but what do I do? I 
tend to go to the water during that time and find other mm -hmm. ways and hiking and mountains and the art can slowly come back in that other uh, fashion. So um, if that makes sense, that's sort of where and how my art has entered and sporadically been in and out of my life in that way. I love it. Um, it's <laughs> an, another kind of catch all catch 22 there. It's like the more flow we get from like a flow psychology yeah. standpoint, the more flow we get. So <laughs> it sounds like obviously swimming now, the way that you view it and art, the way that you view it provides you flow and What's really interesting when we look at, like, we're all predispositioned to have different activities be our like primary flow activity. And we're often pressured then to have that be our full-time thing. And then it's almost like, all right, now you're being forced to do it. So you lose all joy and it, it lost its magic in a lot of ways. So I hear a bunch of different things of how you know, these other areas of your life, these other expressions provide you flow. Yeah. And you know that, and you're also head down with what you're building with rise and those can kind of suffer. So it's tough to find that balance of like, how do I make sure I'm moving the professional career forward, the personal life and taking care of my mental health and mental yeah. well-being as well, and physical well-being in mm -hmm. this case too, since, you know, swimming is, um, assuming one of your primary physical activities. Um, mm -hmm. How do you find that balance or how have you found it and how are you working on finding more of it as obviously the company continues to grow and you guys are doing yeah. great things? Yeah, it can be really hard sometimes. I think um, like just full disclosure, I've had multiple burnout bouts over the mm -hmm. past year that where for like a week at a time, I'm just like, I don't want to do anything and I don't want to work and I don't want to do anything. Like, I just want to sit here and do nothing and stare at a wall. And that's when I know that I'm inching into that burnout territory of like, mm -hmm. all right, I know what burnout is like from a sport, but also understanding how to apply that to life. And it, you know, I, when I feel it, I, I say, I feel it. Like I really do feel it in my body. And one of the things I look for that I immediately notice with burnout or physical symptoms. So it's like my traps are in my ears, my jaw hurts. I wake up and I can't open my jaw because I've been clenching at night, uh, just headaches. And it's like all of these little things that in my life I've been, oh, it's fine, like whatever, just get over it, get a massage or, you know, like yeah. <laughs> just like find a way, which is of course, which is amazing. Like get all the massages, but there's, there's also a um, threshold to where your body can handle this kind of, of exertion, whether it's in mm -hmm. computer work or strategic work with, with rise or um, yeah, just head down like building a business. And I notice in those moments that that feeling of stuckness means that I'm not fulfilling that other expression of that freedom of expression and mm -hmm. Uh, movement in a way that's serving me. So usually what I do in those moments, this is what I'm actually doing right now Yeah, is when I feel that burnout, I cut the weights back and this is just for me uh, personally, but um, I cut back the strict movements and I implement 
little ways to build that fluidity again, whether it's like long walks or new music or doodling or drawing like in a coloring book or um, like I like herbs. So I mm. do herbology stuff, like anything that's creative that doesn't have to be forced, like that can be day-to-day -day things. So sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna like go get my sketchbook and just start. And then I sit there and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> like listen to what Lenny Kravitz says about like everything is everything is everything. Like creativity doesn't have to be this one thing like sketch pad and paper. Like it can be other things. You can be creative and enter that flow state in other ways. So that's, that's sort of my uh, entry point into when that happens and how I balance it because balance is hard. It's, it's not something that um, I think, I think to be completely honest with you, there's, there's a lot of information out there about like, okay, just like build the routine, like wake up and do this and this and this and this. But like, if we're not listening to our bodies and actually understanding what it is that we're craving and what our bodies are telling us, we're not going to be able to do the things, mm -hmm. the, the way that makes sense anyway. Um, yeah. I'm already a routine oriented person. Like I, to be honest, like that doesn't need to, like, I like waking up early and doing the things. It's just the way that my body can feel to be able to morph around what it needs because it's telling you something all the time and we ignore it all the time, <laughs> like all the time. So well, talk yeah. about another thing that's hard to unlearn though, right? Because totally. in, yeah. in the sports culture and the sports world, it's like, cool, your shoulders are on fire. That's great because you have a 10,000 yard practice ahead. And by the way, it's a test set and you better be doing faster than you did last go round. Um, a lot of what comes to mind there, it's like, how often do we put in the destination, the GPS, and then the GPS doesn't pick up the traffic. We find ourselves in traffic and we just get really upset with ourselves. It's like, well, yeah. if yeah. I was just head down looking at the GPS, instead <laughs> of looking at maybe some warning signs that maybe there's some road work ahead that the GPS doesn't have that information just yet. It's like the routines can be our GPS. They're fantastic. Yeah. They're getting us and guiding us in the right direction. But at the same time, we have to allow space for our intuition and our body and the feedback that that's constantly giving us to come up and say, hey, yo, I know you wanted to wake up, like full disclosure today, wanted to wake up at 4.30, slept in until six. Mm -hmm. I feel great. Was a little bit mad at myself for not getting up an hour and a half earlier and getting some things done. But I also looked at kind of biometric data and I was like, huh, I guess I needed that extra hour and a half. Yeah. It will get made up somewhere. Um, yeah. And if yeah. not today, in the long run, you right. also look at like these kind of seasons of life. And it's very similar to like when we would taper, right? Like mm -hmm. hit a hard sprint, onboarding a whole bunch of new mentors for rise. Mm -hmm. And then like, that's your championship season. And then afterwards, yeah. where's that release coming? Uh, I like yeah. how you were talking too about building in these releases throughout your day. Mm -hmm. um, could you walk us through your routines? I'd just be curious. I always preface it as like, this works for you. If you're listening yeah. in, like take yeah. it with a grain of salt, try some things on and see what works for you. Yeah. I, I want to preface this by also saying that I get the question a lot with, I don't understand how to listen to my body mm. or I don't understand how to, um, yeah, Why tune don't... into that. 
why don't we go there instead? Yeah, well, because we'll that's basically how I make my routine. <laughs> I love it. So, but it is, it's tricky. So I get that question a lot. And one of the things that people say, or, or how do I listen to my intuition about how I feel? Mm-hmm. Because there's a difference between that intuition and then past conditioning that our bodies only know. So for example, in my past, um, my intuition could be telling me something, but really that was based off of a past experience that I Mm. hadn't unlearned. Um, And so what I, what I really, I've really worked on this and I just want to say this, like, it's not easy to like, listen to your body and intuitively understand it. I think it takes a lot of practice and a lot of embodiment and understanding like what your feeling is based on um, a lot of different factors. So you have Mm -hmm. to just take your time and mess up a lot before you realize your intuition is just this embodied gut, gut feeling like deep down to where um, you actually, when you feel it, you kind of go to the place of like, where's this coming from? And if you can pinpoint that this is like the exact same pattern as something in the past, like perhaps it is something that may not be serving you as a past experience or past conditioning Mm. instead of your intuition. Um, At least that's where I am now. I know there's no like perfect answer to that, but um, that was the preface of what I was going to say about walking through a day. Um, I love planning. (laughs) However, uh, I I have learned a lot uh, to slow down. And when I wake up, understand what I'm feeling for that day. Mm. Um, so I usually wake up, see how I feel, (laughs) which honestly, it's like the moment that I put my feet down on the ground, I have a very distinct and specific understanding of what my feeling experience is just based on, um, some like health stuff that I'm, that I'm working through. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wake up, I put my feet on the ground. And the first thing that I do is actually feel what my feet feel like. And this may sound very cheesy to everyone, but I have broken my heel twice and I know what it feels like to step down in the morning with a very painful foot. Um, so if I feel pretty solid and rooted, like I don't feel like I'm in pain immediately, then I know that day will actually feel a bit more grounded. Mm. And this has been the single most important thing that I have noticed over the past three years is the moment that my feet hit the ground. If I am in pain, I need to stop. Like I need to slow down and not do anything at all. Maybe, maybe like sit on the air dying assault bike for like 20 minutes and, and cruise, maybe some yoga, whatever. But um, my feet have been a very good resource for grounding and understanding what I, I feel in my body that day, because it, for some reason, they have just been a teller of everything <laughs> for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, um, like there's some days when I can hardly stand up, like, it's so painful. I'm just like, oh God. And I have to like sit back down and that's how I know, like, I'm not recovered. I need to rest. It's my body's way of telling me something. Um, so that that's the, one of the most important things that I listen to. Um, then I, I go about my morning. I usually have a puppy. So I wake her up. She likes to sleep. So she's usually sleeps through the night, wake her up do the thing, have a coffee. I do an espresso in the morning, a lot of water right off the bat. Um, and then I always move in the morning, uh, according to what I feel like. So mm. because I like to plan, I usually plan two or three strength sessions a week and then two swims a week and then walks like that's it. Um, I don't, 
do anything else as far as that goes right now. I'd love to incorporate like dance or kickboxing or things that are like a little more dynamic yeah. in my routine. Um, and then I honestly get started with work, <laughs> which I sit right here on Zoom for most of my days. Uh, with Rise, we have a lot of Zoom meetings. We have over 50 independent contractors that are mindset, mind power coaches. And then we have all their athletes that they work with. Um, and then our internal team. So we have a lot in our hands and just building systems and uh, creating this program for them. So that takes most of my day and I'm on and off calls all day long. I work from home. Um, and then usually in the afternoon, I walk for about an hour, depending on how I feel. Sometimes I don't walk at all. I sit or lay down uh, on a break and meditate and just breathe. Um, and yeah. And this is just like a typical day, obviously. Yeah. There's a lot that changes. And then, um, I, and you know, I walk her and eat dinner, cook dinner, lunch is in there somewhere. Sometimes I'm not proud of how I eat lunch. It's just rushed and it's not. Yeah. And then I eat dinner, uh, and I go to bed early. I go to bed at eight. Every night. Let's go. Same. <laughs> um, yeah. And I've just been really working on that because uh, it's been important to me. I, I didn't sleep well in my past. So I'm trying to mm. redo that whole, uh, sleep importance. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I, I mean, I think there's just so many different ways to have daily routines and I try and mix it up too, to keep it, yeah. keep it unique and different. Um, some mornings I don't move. Like I said, I, I need rest. Uh, I'd say that happens more often than not actually. I definitely take like two days off a week with nothing in the morning <laughs> other than like a light walk. So for anyone that would know me in the past, that's not a thing. I would go, go, go until I was completely dead and broken. Um, so yeah, that's a very long winded explanation. Of that. <laughs> Love every bit of it. Uh, you're definitely from the other side of the country as well, because <laughs> I learned very quickly in LA that people from out here do not walk and they don't do it frequently. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Yeah. I know. I know. I mean, I honestly, I honestly want to get an elliptico, but I feel like that's not very friendly road friendly here in mm. Redondo, but <laughs> maybe I'd be such a nerd, like embrace I, it. I love I it. Like walking. Yeah. A lot. It's been Just, helpful. I don't really run much anymore because of my, my heel. I've, been a little bit on the cautious side but um I do love some good miles on foot as far as walking goes yeah uh, when I feel pretty good to do so I was about to say again listening to the body and like understanding what what it can take on if it's ready to take on a bunch of miles whether it be walking running swimming like yeah go for it uh, I love the saying slow down to speed up mm -hmm. and like that's a reminder to myself so much of that's how I'm trying to unlearn personally that go, go that hardwired go, go, go of like, holy crap, it's Thursday. You didn't do what you wanted to do this week so far. Like, what's going on? What are you going to, are you going to push the pace here? And again, I almost hate the word balance, like we said <laughs> earlier, because I don't, I don't really think balance can exist yeah. in the worlds that you and I chose to go into of like building something from the ground up and trying to have that be successful. I like to think of it more through the lens of harmony and like, how can the things and the routines that I'm doing 
throughout my day work in harmony towards this same end goal. And ultimately that end goal for me is like, I want to feel good. And I know when I feel good, I can empower others to do the same thing. Sounds like a lot of what your routine is focused on is pouring into you first. Like I love the movement being a first thing for you. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. It's just thinking back and reflecting back to earlier parts of my life that this would have never been okay to do, you know? Yeah. You start to recognize that you have these um, ingrained uh, disciplinary wavelengths that just live inside of your body. And I, when I started to really trust what my body was here for and what it was capable of, you start to realize and recognize, as I was saying, that you don't have to um, crush yourself every single second of every single day in Mm -hmm. order to feel successful and achieve what you want to achieve. I don't know. It's like, you just know you're going to be able to do that. I guess is what I'm saying. You trust that like, if, if tomorrow I had to step up to a challenge or to an occasion, like I've just learned to trust that you can do that. Like I could do that if I really needed to, if someone was like, Caroline, tomorrow we need to go do this race and you have to run 12 miles and you have to swim five miles. Like it would suck, but I could do it, you know, like you could do it. And I think that comes from this innate trust. And I think that's where a lot of us have lost that. I think we lose that trust in what we can do. And I know that everyone has different um, physical capabilities and capacities just based on things going on in their lives. And so that's perfectly okay and normal. I mean, I was sidelined for a long time with health issues and everything that I I really truly couldn't do certain things. Um, But I'm just saying like, when you get to a point when you can trust that like you can do it, then you don't put this pressure on yourself to have to do that all the time. You don't need that to to prove yourself anymore. And I think that's where that sense of peace with balance can come into play because you're like, okay, um, I can take a day off. And I know that doesn't mean anything less about me as a human being. Mm. And it's a very, um, it's a very difficult thing to come by, especially in this society because there's so many different opinions about everything and I and that's fine like mm-hmm. if we were all the exact same like that would be so weird you know like people are listening to this not going to agree and be like no like I you know listen to David Goggins and I'm going to be like that and that, th- my answer that's great like do what works for you and whatever you you come about you know when you finally recognize what does work for you and that ebbs and flows and goes all over the place like that's great it's going to mm-hmm. change. It changed for me. It might change for me in the next five years. I may start rock climbing and like be addicted to that and do it all day, every day. And then be like, I need a break. So I just get very passionate about that because I think, um, there's a lot of like biohacking, life hacking, all these mm-hmm. things all over the internet and, and ways that people want to learn. Like, well, if they do that, I need to do that. And it's like, let's just trust ourselves. We know how to do the things, but let's trust Mm -hmm. ourselves, try it, see what it feels like, go from there. And, oh, I could go down a rabbit hole on that because I just, I think it's so incredibly important that we understand that there are going to be a million and one ways to do something and some way will work for everyone. 
Yeah, there's, <laughs> I mean, there's so much I want to unpack there. Um, what I love about like just these kind of conversations, right, is I hope that people listen to what you just said and maybe you've listened back to it multiple times and it sparks curiosity in them to try something maybe a little bit differently than they might have done, but not get so psycho, like hyper-focused on like, I need to live my life exactly like Caroline Burkle does because I see yeah. what it's doing for you. Mm-hmm. But to your point, like, I'm not you. Yeah. The only person you are is yourself. So you have to be really curious to find what works for you. And yeah, like pick, choose, steal from other people. Like yeah. I went through that phase where I was all in on Goggins. I was like, yeah. heck yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm just going to run. I'm going to do all these things. And then even if you read his, I think it's in Can't Hurt Me, or maybe it's in another yeah. book. He, he talks about <laughs> like admitting that oh now he's got to do hours a day of mobility work and flexibility stuff to undo the things that he was doing to his body I'm like uh, I don't know if I'm all in on this anymore like that doesn't sound great I'll take some of it though with me like I love mental cookie jar going to that dark place and just pieces of everything yeah big pieces of stuff like I I don't know I I definitely you know I hear things sometimes and I'm like oh I should definitely try that I, I really want to try that. And I do, and I'll yeah. try it. Like, cause there's no harm in trying something and figuring out how it feels for you, because that's also another tool to understand how you feel. Mm-hmm. Like you can listen to that one thing and understand how you feel, whether it's, you know, a uh, physical modality or a supplement you take or, um, better sleep or acupuncture or running instead of walking or, uh, cycling instead of anything, you know, like you start this new thing to see what you feel. And I think that that's the answer to the earlier thing about like, how do I understand how I feel? It's like, you gotta, like, you gotta fail. You gotta Mm -hmm. fail to understand how you feel because if you try something and it fails and, and you just give up and you don't pay attention to how that made you feel, you're not learning what optimally can make you feel well. Mm. And I think that's something that I've had to really come to terms with over the past five to six years personally is there are some things that just truly don't make me feel good as much as I want to do them. Mm. But I learned through doing it (laughs) and failing and having a really hard time that I could actually come back and say, okay, maybe I can incorporate that. Like for example, super heavy lifts, Mm -hmm. love it. It's like the meathead in me is like, let's do it. But it is absolutely wreckage on my body. And there's only like one or two that really just don't sit well with me, mm. but I still do them. I just don't go as heavy or I, yeah. you know, it's like novel ideas, Caroline. Like I, you know, you don't <laughs> have to like do something to the, to the fullest of capacities. You can create your own thing within that that allows you to feel good but I wouldn't have ever known if I didn't try it Mm. and then to understand oh wow actually if I do sumo deadlifts instead of regular deadlifts that makes my body feel really damn good keep in mind I'm retired I can choose that (laughs) but if someone's competing and they have to you know but it still goes the same way like what things can you just tweak a little to understand like I feel really darn good doing that one thing instead of the other. And now I can tap into my body and understand what that feels like. 
That's what feeling your body is. That's what understanding what feels good and what doesn't is. Yeah. Feelings, I think, are our best flashlight to like mm-hmm. understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all going through life in the dark, to be honest. <laughs> and, the, and our feelings are oftentimes like they're, they're going to be the best indicator of like, this is where you need to go to next. Yeah. Um, you brought up a good point, too, of like being if you're in training mode, there does have to be some sort of taking that feeling with a grain of salt and being totally. like, Yep. I don't feel great today, but I know I need to hit X, Y, Z pacing or whatever uh, programming for the day to move the needle forward. And I'm just, again, I'm going to trust in the programming and the routines mm-hmm. and everything that, you know, I mean, you swam at Florida, you know, it like you, <laughs> you probably didn't know what it meant to feel good until SEC season. Yeah. <laughs> that's oh yeah. Right? We trained like, eight hours a day for, yeah, it was, it was wild. But I think you're nailing it because that is the part where competitive athletes, people that are training for a race, for a goal, you're going to have to push through discomfort. You have to be okay with things that are not your favorite and things that you don't want to do and things that don't feel good. Mm. But again, like you said, those feelings are information and having those conversations about the feeling that is information with your coach or with somebody that can help talk you through that. Hey, that felt like shit today. I'm trying yeah. to understand if this was just because I'm really tired or if I haven't, you know, like what are some factors as to why that felt that way? And then just gather that information because that's how you optimize it is because mm-hmm. you learn yourself. You don't learn what Joey or Johnny or Kim is doing. It's like you learn about what you're doing and what feels good for you. And if it's just a one day fluke kind of thing and it's like, I just didn't feel it today. It's well, that's okay. Like, you know, yeah. that's okay. Like you learn from that specific piece of information. It's just information like that's it it's just information when I put my feet down on the ground in the morning it doesn't mean that like the whole day is ruined and everything has to be a certain way or that I need to push through it or else blah 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 like it's it's information and I need to do what I need to do in order to use that information to the best of its use (laughs) yeah if only there was a mentorship program that existed for athletes that they could have these kind of conversations and process information that would be really novel wouldn't it (laughs) I know it would be novel Let's, and it, it's hard to, to create programs for athletes about yeah. feeling because the, the, the message can be, don't worry about how you feel, mm-hmm. just get the job done. And that did serve me in many ways for some yeah. things. Right. But I think there's a difference between saying that as a blanket statement and then saying, don't worry about how you feel in this exact moment, get the job done. And then we'll address how you felt and talk about that. Yeah. That's the key information right there. (laughs) Well, how do you guys at Rise go about changing that narrative? Because I think, I mean, for so long, like we have the old school way of athletics and coaching and everything where it is like, I don't care. (laughs) Everyone hated those days where you showed up to the pool and it's like, you forgot how to swim. You're like, how did I get here? Like yeah. I've done this for 18 years and you're telling me <laughs> that my stroke just, it doesn't work anymore today. Oh, yeah. How do you, how do you go about changing that narrative? How have you guys gone about it? What have you seen works there to create these containers where one coaches are bought in because you are essentially a third party service being brought in under my understanding of how you guys operate and two, getting the, the athletes to buy into a level where they feel like they have a container that is safe enough to explore that information and explore those feelings because mm-hmm. sometimes that doesn't exist depending on where you're at. 
Great question. Um, yes, because we are. We're like the third leg of the tripod of this support yeah. system. It's like, you know, you have, uh, we just changed from mentor to mind power coach. We have mind power coach and coach and parent. And it's like, everyone's out for the same common good of the athlete. They're out to make sure that they feel empowered and strong, both in sport and out of sport and understand what they feel, understand um, their, their nerves, their performance pressures that they put on themselves, their self-talk, their routines and habits, their pre-competition game plan, like to understand how to do all those things, to understand if they fail at all these things, what that means um, about how they can move forward and what it means about how it has nothing to do with them as a person. And that is the core of what, you know, I think all athletes can understand at a young age and what we instill in them through those conversations when we work with these athletes is, okay, you're having the negative self-talk, you're stressed out about performance, you're getting sick before races, you're feeling like your leadership is down. That doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. Mm. You're just opening up and being vulnerable to me about something. So we're going to take that information and we're going to figure out how to use it to your advantage so you can continue to grow. And within that, there's so many different ways that you can do that mm. from flipping self-talk, from understanding that thoughts aren't even real. They're just like little, you know, devils and gremlins that sit there and spew out things at you based mm -hmm. on past experiences or based on what other people tell you or based on all these things. So detaching the self-worth from the situation and the performance and what it is and being able to see them both as separate is so important. And that makes all the difference because then they can say, oh, this wasn't good. Like, that's okay. I know that I can do that better mm. instead of I suck. I'm horrible. This is never going to get better. I'm the problem. It's me. Like take responsibility for yourself and say, I can do this. I'm going to get better at that. And that is how athletes get better is taking that self-responsibility, taking the accountability and saying, okay, I know that there's a problem and I know I can work through it. Mm. That is the goal. It's not, oh my gosh, microscope, like the world's ending. <laughs> like we have a problem, we have to fix it or else it's the worst thing in the world. And that's um, what coaches do enjoy about our program. What parents do enjoy about our program is that it, it can instill that more optimistic glass half full mm -hmm. energy and mentality versus this doomsday of a mindset which we've all been in as athletes <laughs> regardless yeah yeah there's like the there's this level of ingrained ownership of performance in the situation but at the same time the duality of like being able to detach from it I think is so freaking cool and I just want to acknowledge like the work that you Rebecca you know Katie Hoff like it's so cool to see you guys step up and share and use your platforms and not just use your platform to speak on it, but then to take it a step further and actually go back and give back in the sport of swimming. And now you're in other sports as well too, right? Like yeah, it's not just have, limited to. Yeah. To, Water polo, it. basketball, soccer, baseball, um, artistic swimming. Uh, did I say softball, golf? Um, Point, yeah. point being it's it's well <laughs> well reaching yeah. now you know what yeah. I mean I think I think it is really cool to see because I mean even five ten years ago like 
this didn't exist yeah. and i part of me wonders like all right cool if i had a do-over like how how would have things been different if this existed while i was going through it and i also have to remember well you know i can't relive the past so here we are we're just going to focus and and acknowledge what you guys are doing um but i want to yeah. i want to also highlight obviously we as humans are so much more than what we do for a living and that just happens to be one of the many expressions. It's one of my favorite questions to ask people is like, who is Caroline Burkle beyond rise and beyond what you do for a living? Oh my gosh. It's such a hard question, but I know that what you just said really rings true and resonates with me. And I think I hope to always explore that. Mm. I think the question you just asked is my answer is I hope to always explore who she is, because I think I never want to box myself into I am an artist or I am a, uh, you know, in my future, like I'm a mother, I'm a homeowner, I'm a, you know, like those things are all wonderful and the titles are all fantastic. But I think I just, I want to evolve and be a curious human being as to what I'm capable of, what I can continue to shift and change within myself and also sit with and be okay with within myself. Like you can hold both, you know? And I, I think that just like we talked about earlier, the duality of knowing that um, you can be something more and also you're okay where you are mm. is who I see myself as all the time. That's my definition of who I am. Uh, I actually was talking to my friend Alexi about this and it's just, it's difficult because you can always want more, you can always want better and more and more and more. But just being okay with who you are and where you are is an extremely important part of this mm. uh, life, <laughs> this life growth. So that's my answer is I, I'm, I'm someone here and I'm someone that wants to be over here. And I think that having both of those goals in life mm. is really important. Beautifully said. I think we're, we can be so, why I love that question so much is as a society, I think we're so pushed to harness a label or two labels or three, whatever it may be, like athlete, coach, yep. parent, whatever label you choose to identify with, because it's it's quick, right? Like if I'm just passing you on the street and I want to quickly understand who Caroline is, you can give me a label. And then with that comes all these preconceptions of like, okay, cool. I understand who she is. No, I don't. I just know a small sliver of the whole pie. So yeah. I love that. I'm going to challenge you to, to keep living life outside of the box and explore as you continue to grow here. And as we all continue to grow, I want to ask you the fast five, which are going to be kind of rapid fire, one sentence, one word <laughs> answers, the fun stuff now, right? Uh, we yeah. dove, dove pretty deep there. The first one is um, what is your go-to podcast that you're listening to? Um, I, I love Rich's, Rich Rolls. I just, I love his guests um, and he's a great friend of mine. So it just feels like super authentic. He's the mm. most authentic human in that podcast. Um, I love Andrew Huberman because that's like the geek in me yep. that wants to learn. And um, I really like his approach to this is what you can do. And if it doesn't work for you, like, that's great. 
I really like that where it's like, just take this if you want and you can leave it if you want. And he admits like, oh, this just doesn't, this person doesn't work for me, but this is what the science says or something. I really enjoy that perspective because he allows everyone to fit into where they want to be. Um, so I, I suggest listening to him if you're a science geek. <laughs> I'm avid listener of both of those guys. They're, yeah. they're amazing. Uh, number two, what's your favorite book that you've read in the past year? In the past year? Um, oh gosh, I have the School of Life. Mm. Um, it's an emotional intelligence book. I really, really like it because it dives into uh, a little bit about highly sensitive humans and how their intelligence varies a little bit. Um, and that's, I sort of consider myself that because a lot of people don't follow how I think. And I've felt a lot of shame about that in my life. So um, it was very helpful for me. The brain, of a, <laughs> yeah, the brain of an artist is a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't fit in most boxes. Yeah. Uh, number three, what's a quote that you live by? Mm. Oh, these are always so hard for me. Um, I don't know. My, the one I have written everywhere is stay fluid. That's mm. mine. I, I have a lot, of, um, a lot of favorite quotes from Brene Brown, though, on vulnerability. I really think she's just a pioneer in all of this research and psychology. And I, yeah. So every single one of hers, probably. <laughs> Not a bad person to, to quote. Number four, what's something that you can't live without? Mm, um, coconut oil. <laughs> I'm always dry <laughs> by the chlorine. Uh, I, I find myself very anxious when mm. uh, I don't have it because I'm like itching and just it's it's like a feeling thing. I think I enjoy like just it just makes me feel good. So feeling, I like feeling it. hydrated. I like, it. I like to put it on my skin, um, put it on my dog. It's just I'm weird. Yeah. So that sounds very LA coconut oil, but it's the truth. So. <laughs> I think that's the most unique answer we've gotten to that question on the show. So I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> There's probably a lot um, more important things, but I'll just say that. <laughs> hey, you didn't offend anyone in your family by that answer. It's okay. Yeah, no one in my family would be even surprised. <laughs> Number five, last one. If you could sum up your focus right now into one word, what would that be? Simplifying. Mm. I think simplifying my, my stuff. I like minimalist like lifestyle. I'm getting rid of plastics in my house. I have all glass containers now and do this refill station thing, uh, simplifying my thoughts, simplifying my routines and the products that I use and just all sorts of things that just feel like, um, just clutter. It's clutter. My brain It's clutter. My life mm. decision paralysis. Uh, so sim sim yeah, simplifying my work, <laughs> everything. everything. Yeah. I, I love it. It's amazing. It's amazing to me, the impact that our external environment can have oh. on our like subconscious decision-making. It's wild. Yeah. There's definitely power in the simplification. Uh, Caroline, this was thoroughly enjoyable. I'm glad we were able to align for this. And I, I appreciate the time. And like I said, I, I love the work that you're doing, but more importantly, I just love the energy and the light that you bring into this world. So I want to acknowledge you there, express my gratitude. Where can those listening in connect more with you, find everything with Rise, all of the good things? Well, thank you. And you, you are also a light. So I really appreciate it. Um, I don't, uh, I only have one social media platform that I'm active on. It's Instagram. Uh, Twitter stresses me out. I sometimes go on there. 
uh, but it's at Caro Burkle, C-A-R-O-B-U-R-C-K-L-E and um, Facebook sometimes, Caroline Burkle. I think I have a page or something too. I'm not sure actually. Uh, and then Rise, we have um, rise-athletes.com and then Instagram, Facebook, everything else is Rise Athletes with no dash. So Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. We'll have it all linked below again. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you joining us this week as we continue to grow one episode at a time. Do me a favor and send this to someone in your life who maybe you haven't talked to since your playing days. It just might spark a powerful conversation and it's a great way to reconnect with one another. We truly do grow further together. You are tuned in to Forever Athlete Radio. Until next week, my friends, flow on.